We piled in the car after a full and glorious day at the Grand Canyon. We were taking a different route back to Flagstaff in order to meet some friends for an early evening, and uh, it was really an unexpected journey. We started on a highway we had never been. It's an unfamiliar area to us, and little did we know as we left the Grand Canyon parking lot, we knew we had a little, just a little bit of gas, but we thought it would be enough, and you can already tell where this story is going. But we get on an unfamiliar highway, and we didn't know that the highway cut through some sort of national or state park. All we know is as we get into the middle, surrounded by God's beauty, all I could think about was, you probably guessed it, are we going to have enough gas to get us to our destination? Because as we entered this national park, I think it was, we there were no gas stations to be found. Surrounded by God's beauty, all I could see was when the fuel light popped on my dashboard. And it seemed with every passing mile, that light seemed to get glow brighter and brighter and brighter. Everything seemed to slow down because all I could think about was my need for Philip. All I could think about was when I would get to the place that would actually fill my fuel tank to help me and my family on the rest of our journey. And so everything slowed down. I slowed my speed down because I remember having learned that uh, going at a a particularly lower rate of speed helps uh, burn fuel more efficiently. And so I lowered my speed. I turned the air conditioner off in order to disengage the compressor in the engine to help save precious fluid ounces of fuel in my gas tank. As I went over hills, we were going through these (laughs) sloping hills with beautiful forest on either side. I couldn't appreciate the beauty of that because I was focused on uh, accelerating just enough to get over the hill and letting gravity pull us down the other side of the hill in order to conserve fuel. And I kept my eye trained on the horizon looking for the next gas station sign to appear. And when it did, my heart screamed out, hallelujah. And when we pulled into there, I'm sure on fumes, I was so delighted because everything was fixed on that point to get refueled uh, and knowing where the emptiness needed to be filled up again. So much in our world, sisters and brothers, right now, is feels like we are running on empty. It feels like uh, there is so much that has been turned over. There have been so many events canceled and continual cancellations in the future. There is uncertainty about education and and what is to come in the school process. We are weary and it is burdensome to navigate through such a season as this. But Jesus speaks into lives that are running on empty. Jesus speaks specifically to people who are out of sorts and fractured. Jesus has come into this world to give us not just an ordinary life, but a full life. One that is extraordinary, one that is full of wholeness and beauty. And that is what we are going to look at today. Because Jesus has come and his mission in the world is to offer you himself. And that is what is so glorious about what we will focus ourselves on today. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, one of my favorite passages in all of the scripture. 
Uh, the Bible uh, talks here, Jesus is giving a description about uh, himself using a shepherding motif. And if you've been around church for very long, you are likely aware and familiar with some aspects of the shepherding motif. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. But first, let's hear what Jesus has to say in John chapter 10. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Father, we pray in these moments together around your word that your spirit would teach and guide and that you would illumine these words into our hearts and souls so that we would be responsive to you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to respond to you and to be softened towards you now. In the name of the good shepherd, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. This uh, idea of Jesus using the shepherding motif, it helps us if we are able to somewhat trans, kind of take ourselves back and put ourselves a little bit in, into what a first century shepherding life was all about. A shepherd would be responsible for a certain number of sheep, and that would be his livelihood. And uh, when a shepherd was out, if he was able to find a cave, a cave would serve as the sheep pen. Uh, there are many around Bethlehem, in fact, where Jesus uh, was uh, born into the world, and uh, the incarnation of Jesus happens, and, and uh, there are many places where it is thought, perhaps, that Mary and Joseph in a cave uh, was the, the first manger scene, uh, not a stable, uh, so to speak, out there, but a place where sheep uh, would have been kept. Uh, so when available, a cave would serve as a sheep pen, but if you're out in the open country and caves are, are not to be found, what you can do is find a, you can create, actually, a, a sheep pen that was either circular or rectangular or square to, of sorts, uh, like the one you see on your screen now. And uh, what it would be made of, walls would be built up out of rocks uh, or other materials, sometimes covered with ivy, and there would be a singular opening. There would be no door because the shepherd himself or one of the assistants would serve as the door. And so the sheep would be taken out at nighttime, uh, or I mean in the daytime, to feed and, and, and to uh, be, be led out to water. And then at nighttime they would be brought in, the shepherd would stand at the gate, sit at the gate, sleep in the gate, in order to bring the sheep in and protect the sheep. In the daytime they were taken out to, to feast 
and, uh, and to enjoy uh, life out there, but at night they were brought into um, uh, to keep danger away. Jesus is a shepherd. He, he uses this sort of analogy, this kind of motif, and, and I'd like to just explore together some of the, the facets of what Jesus is, is talking about here as he describes himself as the good shepherd. His, he himself is the shepherd of you, his people, and he compares it in this way. So Jesus as the shepherd in this motif, he is described as one who is authorized. He is authorized to be with his people. The scripture says that the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. Jesus is the authorized one. He is the one certified by God. He is the one credentialed by God. He is known to have the, the singular authority to do that which we most needed done and to do that which God most delighted to do, which is to provide fellowship with him through uh, the cross that Jesus does. He is authorized. When he walks to the sheep pen, he puts his thumb on the scanner and it recognizes him. He is authorized to access the sheep. You see, Jesus has come as God in the flesh to do for us what we most needed and could not do for ourselves. He is authorized to call you. He is authorized to lead you. And he has been authorized to fill your life. And that's just the life that he wants to offer to you. Jesus is shepherd. He calls his people by name. Not only is he authorized, but as a good shepherd, he calls his people by name. Listen to what the Bible says. She listened to his voice. He calls his own by name and leads them out. Jesus calls you by name. I want that to soak in for a moment. And maybe you have known that for years, but I want you to live and to revel in that thought in a fresh way this morning. That he calls you by name. Jesus loves you. It is out of his great care and compassion for you that he knows you and calls you by name. Have you ever been in the awkward position where you have met someone before and they're standing in front of you a second or third time or maybe even a fourth time and you cannot remember their name? Isn't that an uncomfortable place to be in? Just as awkward is talking to someone that you know and you remember their name, but as the conversation uh, flows forward, you, you come to realize that, that they have forgotten your name. That makes you feel real special, doesn't it? That's, a, a, that, that's the reality sometimes in our relationships. Um, Jesus calls you by name. Jesus calls you by name. He never forgets your name. He never forgets who you are. He never forgets where you've been or what you've done. He calls you by name. He calls you by name. The sheep hear his voice and he calls to them by name. This is a picture of the intimate relationship that God wants to have with you. And so, sister and brother, this morning, if you've been running from Jesus and his voice, if you've been hiding from his calling out your name, may today be the day that you stop your running. May today be the day where you come out from hiding and you, you come to that wonderful voice that draws you to himself.
because He loves you and He wants to fill your life with His very presence. That is the wonder of who God is and what He's done. There are some wonderful song lyrics. I, I remember a few years ago that a choir of orphan children had come to this church for Rwanda. And it was so amazing as, as they came and sang and danced and we were overjoyed and many people sponsored children from that organization and it was a fantastic evening. But the one moment that, that, that made my heart crack and brought tears to my eyes is watching these young children full of smiles and joy sing this song. And what made it so powerful is because in the ministry they had been introduced to the reality that God knows their name, that God loves them, and even though they may not have earthly parents or an earthly family to call their own, God desired to draw each of them into his own family, and he knows each of them by name. They stood on this stage where I now sit, and they sang this song, and it brought tears to my eyes to remember the love of God and his his desire to call each by name. Some of the song goes like this. It says, I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me. No matter where I go, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. You see, the Good Shepherd Jesus, He is authorized to step into your life and to call you by name and to lead you out and to fill your life. Jesus, as shepherd, leads his people. He is a leader of his people. The Bible says that, uh, that he goes out ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. You see, the shepherd there, and you're thinking, you might think of a cattle drive. Western shepherds, western cattlemen usually drive their cattle from behind. They're on horses or with dogs, and behind them they, they want to push them forward. Not a Middle Eastern shepherd. A Middle Eastern shepherd goes out ahead of the sheep and, and goes out and leads the sheep. And the sheep, they know enough to trust the shepherd enough to follow wherever the shepherd leads. Because the shepherd does not desire harm for the sheep. The shepherd does not desire a catastrophe to happen to the sheep. So they learn to trust the shepherd and they follow him as he goes first. You see, the shepherd goes out ahead of the sheep in order to scout out and to understand the challenges that lie ahead. Because the shepherd is the one that will go through the challenges first and know how to problem solve for the sheep as they come. You see, Jesus is just like that in our life. You see, he has faced the problems that you and I face. He has faced them first. And he doesn't ask you to go through anything that he is incapable of carrying you through. He doesn't ask you to go through anything that he is unwilling to, to strengthen and guide you through. This is the work of him as a good shepherd. The problems that you will face in your life, he has first faced uh, ahead of you. He goes out ahead of you. The complexities of relocating to a new city. Jesus knows that. The problems you might have at work. 
Jesus knows that. Dealing with difficult people. People were not all easy and loving toward Jesus. Did you know that? He knows what it is to deal with difficult people. He knows about financial questions. Whatever the problems you face in life, Jesus is familiar with those problems. And he is able to lead you through because he's faced those problems. Jesus can lead your life. Your life, Jesus wants to lead forward because he has tasted pain, he has stared down temptation, and he has been stung by rejection. The very familiar human experiences Jesus has first experienced. And he is able, when you pray to Jesus in the midst of your problems, you are praying to one who understands. You're praying to one who knows because he's been there. Because he goes out ahead of you as the good shepherd and he marks your way. You see, Jesus has faced the problems of life first. Jesus proceeds first through the darkened valleys. Jesus pushes forward into green pastures. Jesus is the one who prepares the future. That's part of what the good shepherd is, according to the Bible. Jesus is good shepherd. There's another factor here, another description about what this good shepherd in your life means. It, it, it means that Jesus is one who fights for you. The, the shepherd will fight for his sheep. Jesus fights for you. The Bible says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My family and I went up to the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains last week to do some tent camping. And if, uh, if you've ever tent camped, you know that tents are kind of flimsy and not great protection necessarily from all of the wild beasts that happened to roam the forests. And I should have known when, when I made a reservation on the website when it said, this is bear country in capital letters. I should have known that it was serious. And when it pulled into the campsite, there on the big public bulletin board was another big sign uh, saying, this is bear country and giving instructions for what to do if you encounter a bear and how to uh, do your best to prevent uh, an encounter with a bear. And a couple of the nights that we spent in our campsite, there are the beautiful uh, pine trees right beside a creek bed, about 7,000 feet of elevation, right on the banks of the beautiful, clear, crystal clear lake. It was fantastic. But two of the three nights, about midnight, 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, we heard voices hollering from what seemed to not be too far away. We didn't want to peek outside uh, because we were huddled up in our sleeping bags. People were calling out, Yah bear! Bear! And they were slamming pots and pans together. They were hitting panic buttons on their car horns. And the car horns were blaring. And we did not get very much sleep because I was reminded, Oh yeah, I was told that this is bear country. And uh, I didn't know what exactly I would do had a bear wandered into our campsite, except I would make a lot of noise, and I would want to uh, try to protect my family. In fact, one of my uh, sons and I began to discuss what sort of weapons we, we have to protect ourselves if we needed to, and I knew it wouldn't come to that. But uh, Jesus, Jesus as the Good Shepherd, he is one who fights for you to protect you. To call you into his own life and heart. He placed himself in harm's way. That's what the cross is all about. When we talk about the cross, we're talking about Jesus purposefully placing himself in harm's way in order to fight for you, in order to pay 
the price of your sin in order for you to have the ability now to exchange your life of sin for the life of fullness that Jesus offers to you. That, that's what it's all about. He fights for you, and his fighting has been done on the cross to conquer sin and death in order to give you a hope for eternal life and a hope for your future in this very life as well. If you confess your sin to God and turn away from that sin and turn and place your life in the hands of the loving God uh, who has come to you in Jesus, then you will begin to experience the full life that God offers to you. You see, Jesus, he abandoned his life so that he might offer abundant life to you. Jesus abandoned his own life out of love so that he could offer the abundant life to you. That is the extent of his love for you. Finally this morning, what is the good shepherd? But he is one who gives full life. It is the offer of full life, abundant life. The Bible says uh, that even though the thief might come to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus says, I have come that you may know life and life to the very full. The New Living Translation Bible translates it this way. It says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The Message Translation says it this way. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is the full life that Jesus desires to give to you. It is abundant life, life to the full. Full life is life that is eternal. It goes on forever in the glorious, wonderful presence of the living God. It is a promise and a guarantee from God that when you place your trust and faith in Jesus, into his hands, that he will forever hold you and draw you into an eternity of glory and bliss with him. That is the promise of full life. It's eternal. Full life is also spiritual. It is, it is the idea of shaping our minds and setting them on things above. It's spiritual in that Jesus desires to offer you personal wholeness and vitality. The Bible describes that wholeness in, in this full life as things like being content. Whether you have a lot or a little, you, you learn because you walk with Jesus and he lives in you. You learn to be content. You, you learn to have hope that even though you don't know, uh, everything in your future may be so fuzzy and opaque. You learn to trust the good shepherd as he leads forward and it fills you with hope. Not because your hope is in your retirement account. Not because your hope is in a particular job. And not because your hope is in a government to be able to come and rescue you. But ultimately, your hope is in God. That's why the forefathers of this country wrote on our money, In God we trust. We will not trust in finances alone. And we will not trust in the things that the world says will secure our future. We will trust in the only thing that we know is valid and able to secure our future. And that is God and God alone. In God we will trust. It is a spiritual fullness that God desires to provide for you. The, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fullness that God desires to offer you. It is becoming whole. That, that is 
what full life is about. It's about taking the, the disparate and fractured parts of our inner life, the things that, that the world has crushed and splintered in you, and it's about drawing those pieces back together and reassembling them in a beautiful wholeness. That is what full life spiritually is intended to be and what God wants to do in you. Abundant life, this full life is eternal, it's spiritual, it's also relational. It's about learning to live and enjoy the presence of God and learning to live and enjoy the presence of other people in healthy relationships. It's, it's about real and lasting sense of family. It's about being bound together as a family of faith, together as the church. It's purposeful. It is purposeful, the full life. It, it, it's about the, the mission of Jesus. It was purposeful, and we dedicate our whole selves to it as we surrender our lives into the trusted hands of Jesus. You see, Jesus' mission on earth, as, as I wrap up this morning, his mission on earth is this. He had come to offer himself, to give himself, and those who receive Jesus now have the full life that God uh, offers to you. That was his reason for coming. It was what motivated his whole living and, and the decisions that he made. And it was the singular focus of his life. Many months ago, before the COVID pandemic uh, began to uh, wreak its havoc, even on uh, the way that the familiar way that we do church, we uh, the leadership council of the church presented a new vision, structure, and framework, and language for our church. And uh, uh, the proposed new mission statement is the same mission that Jesus had. He said, I have come to provide life and life to the full. Uh, the new mission statement proposed for this church is this, calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. Calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. I so deeply desire that our church would be unified around this simple yet robust statement of mission. It, it, it's a statement that allows us to declare that this is our shared, unified mission and direction together. That we, like Jesus, want to be his hands and feet into the world and to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that he has come as a good shepherd, and all the things I've described today uh, that Jesus uh, gave to us out of John chapter 10. This is why God has placed this church in this location at this time, so that we might be calling Marin and the residents who live here and beyond to live in the fullness of life that Jesus wants to give to them. I think a mission statement like this will help catalyze our church. It will be a catalyst for new growth and, and being able to step forward together. That this is what our church should be about above and beyond all else. And as we worship, we invite others into the worship of God. And I hope that this is a statement that our church will adopt and resonate with. And it will become part of our DNA and to shape 
uh, the future of who we are together. You know, there are a lot of lingering unknowns with COVID. Uh, nobody ever thought, I don't think it would last this long and uh, all of its uh, effects. But you know what? <clears throat> it has left so much of the world treading water. And I, for one, do not want our church treading water and just waiting for something else to change or happen. I think it would honor God if we move forward together. We move forward together with Jesus as we follow him as our good shepherd, stepping into the future that he, he is leading us into with a mission that joins the very mission that Jesus had to call Marin and beyond in the place where he has planted us into the fullness of the life that Jesus has for us. I don't want us to just simply tread water waiting where we might go back to the day when we're able to meet in person and go back to the way things uh, were specific, exactly and precisely the way they were. I don't want to go back. I want us as a church to move forward together and to prepare for what God is doing because I believe with all my heart that uh, He is doing things that we cannot even imagine because of this pandemic. And He's preparing things ahead of us now. And I don't want to go back just the way things were. I want us to go forward together, trusting the Good Shepherd, following Jesus, and being filled with the life that He has for us, the full life, and then sharing that full life with everybody around us. That, I believe, is a mission worth giving my life for, and I hope it's a mission worth giving your life toward and dedicating yourself to it. I believe the Lord will be honored as we trust Him, as we move forward, centered on worshiping the Good Shepherd and centered on taking this task of mission seriously into the months and years to come. Jesus has come so that we might have life and life to the full. And I believe He's planted this church here to be part of His calling others into that fullness of life. And may it be so for us in the days to come. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy over our lives. And we pray today, Good Shepherd Jesus, that we would know you in all of these ways for us. That you are strong in our behalf, uh, not, not just for our selfish needs, but so that we can be equipped and inspired and prepared to step into cooperating with you. Seeing where you are at work and joining you in that work. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to lead us in a Good Shepherd we want to trust you in all ways. And even though we cannot see, even though right now the valley ahead of us looks, looks dark and there's so many questions and we don't know the answers to all the complexities that this COVID virus is causing around us, we, we, there is one that we can put our complete and total trust in, and that is you, Jesus. So help us to do that now, not just waiting to go back to something that was, but being prepared to go forward with you into the future that you are leading us toward. So help us with that, we pray faithfully now, in Jesus' name, together. Amen.